Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Then God Thank you, David. Grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson Feltz. I'm the pastor here of Morningstar. I'm delighted to be with you on this beautiful September morning. Let's take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last year, a good friend sent me a video message. She wanted to give me an update on her life and her family, and she was honest about struggling. She felt quite a bit of grief about the state of the world and the division and the conflict that we are experiencing. Many of us can relate to that. I was so grateful that she was vulnerable enough to share what she was feeling, even to the point of shedding some tears. And as she wiped those tears, she said, Amy, hold on, I want to show you something. And she turned the camera around so that I wasn't looking at her face anymore, but I could see her garden, her beautiful garden and raised beds in her backyard. It was such a lovely sight. The colors were rich. I could sense the hope that was coming out of that garden for my friend. And she expressed something like that as she began to explain that when she feels overwhelmed and helpless, she takes a look at her vegetable garden and she feels grateful that she was able to do something productive and life-giving right there in her backyard in the middle of a world full of chaos. I smiled as I watched my friend's expression change from grief to joy at the side of her garden. Such is the power of creation. Thanks be to God. Literally, thanks be to God, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, the source of all life. We have so many names that we use for God based on references in scripture, based on our own experiences, 
Interestingly enough, one of the names that we have come to use in the church is not found in the Bible at all, and that would be Trinity. Do you know the word? Do you understand it? No. <laughs> you are not alone, Rick. You are not alone. The Trinity is a classic theological concept that describes the Christian Godhead in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, three in one. This idea began to form in the very early days of the church. The use of the word Trinity as a descriptor for God emerged toward the end of the second century. As the early church mothers and fathers attempted to articulate this belief that was one true God who could also be experienced in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and in the movement of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they knew that Jesus was not just some miracle-working prophet and that the work of the Spirit was not just a figment of their imagination. Jesus and the Spirit, they were, they are, they are God. They were God and they are God. But Christianity was born out of Judaism which stands on the very firm claim that there is one true God. So the teaching and the debates, they continued right up into the famous Council of Nicaea in 325, out of which was developed what we know as the Nicene Creed. Now this creed, which is still professed in many Christian traditions, such as our own today, begins with an affirmation of that one true God. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things, visible and invisible. The creed then moves to affirm not just who Jesus was or who Jesus is, but the fact that Jesus is in relationship with the Father Almighty, one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. The creed then continues to affirm Jesus' life on earth, his death on the cross, his resurrection for the salvation and healing of all people. This profession of Jesus is then followed by the affirmation of the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son and is worthy of that same worship. This language is also beautiful. It's intertwined. It's grounded in our holy text. And it is so confusing. Truly, so much of our faith can be, especially when we make it about having the right words, the right beliefs, the right answers. And let's be honest, that's often what we make faith about, believing rightly. That's the whole premise behind this five-week series that we are launching today. It's called Confirm, and it's truly not about what we know. Instead, faith is about our ability to ask questions, to pay attention, to recognize God's work in the world, and then to make connections with what we read and learn in Scripture the series was inspired by the time that I spent with the youth last spring in confirmation class. As we studied some of the core beliefs of our Christian faith, many adults came to me over the several weeks that we were studying together and said, well, I want to take a class like that. So here we are. 
This is the first week in our series, and we are considering what it means to be created. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about God and not about us. What does being human have to do with the concept of the Trinity? Everything. We could look at the text again from Genesis, and the first thing we learn about God in our Bible, the very first thing is that God is creator, the creator of everything. Day and night, sea and sky, land and plants, stars and planets, sea creatures and birds, land animals. And on the sixth day, as the story goes, God breathed into dust and created human life. This concept is so basic that we often miss the point. We are created. We are created intentionally and lovingly. And that's not just good, it's very good. It means that our God is very good, too, because our God chooses to create, to give life and make it beautiful. Beloved, creation is not just something that God does. Creative is not just one aspect of God's personality. Creator is who God is. Creator is one of the three main ways that we experience God precisely because we are created. And now, believe it or not, we're getting to the roots of the Trinity. You may have learned to think of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Me too. We have the ancient creeds to thank for that in most cases. Father, Son, Spirit. This is classic language, and it holds an important place in my faith formation and probably in that of many of you in the sanctuary and online. Some people better connect with the language of Creator redeemer, and sustainer. That works too. At this point, what we're talking about here is preference. Both sets of names for God illustrate with words the truth that God is relational. More than that, God is relationship. God is community within God's own self. Now we're getting deeply theological here, so stay with me. Some people I know and love dearly, people of deep and abiding faith, people of faithful action, reject the notion of the Trinity because the word Trinity itself does not appear in our biblical text. That's in our image, in our image, to whom is God talking? We could back up to the second verse of the first chapter of the Bible and read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty, void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. Now, your favorite translation may say wind or breath. That's okay. Those are good words for spirit as well. Regardless of the vocabulary, we see evidence of the presence of what we know as the Holy Spirit in Genesis at creation. Now, we can turn to the Gospels and the story of Jesus, and we could stop at his birth 
We could skip to the resurrection. But what we really need to highlight today is found only in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The Word was with God. And through the Word, all things were made. The Word, of course, is Jesus Christ, the living Word, the Word made flesh. And so there we have it, Jesus the Christ, also present literally in the beginning. Let us create humans in our image, God said, in the image of the one who creates and redeems and sustains. Now some people make direct correlations here, saying that God creates and Jesus redeems and the Holy Spirit sustains. And if we look at scripture, we can, we can make that case. It's not a bad argument to make. But then they would simply be three. They're not just three, remember, because we believe they are all God and we also believe there is only one God. So they must be three in one. Somewhat like this apple. An apple before it's sliced, is one whole part of God's creation. Slice it in half and you see three parts. The peel, like God the Father, the creator, the protector. The meat, the flesh, like Jesus, the word made flesh. And then the seeds, the energy, the promise of new life, like the spirit. Now these three parts, they are distinguishable, right? But they are all apple and they all work together to nourish and replenish life. Of course, the apple is a metaphor. It's an attempt to describe something, in this case, totally indescribable, with things that we know, to which we can relate. Now, we know that all metaphors break down at some point, but this basic idea can help us wrap our minds around the concept enough that we can keep going. We can keep asking questions. We can keep learning and making connections. So to help you remember the apple analogy, I have a gift for you today. It's an apple lollipop. As you leave the sanctuary today, you'll be given one of these to make the connection with the apple and with the Trinity. It may be a simple analogy, but every time you slice an apple or even taste the apple flavor, you can be reminded of the Trinity and the idea that in our experience of God, the three persons of God may be distinguishable at times, but they are all God all working together to create and redeem and sustain. And that's the point. This, this knowledge is too much for our thinking brains to fully comprehend. But it's not about what we know. It's about who we know. It's about how we know God. It's about how we experience God. So if the word Trinity trips you up, don't worry about it. Those mothers and fathers of the early church, they were doing their best to describe something in intellectual terms that is best experienced. Created to creator. So that's our invitation for this week. To acknowledge what it means to be an important part of creation, to be created by God. And the best way that I know how to do this, the best way I know how to bring this relationship into focus quickly and repeatedly, Rick Kiley, 
is to take a deep breath. Preferably when taking in some part of creation. Take a look at the Oregon Mountains. Take a deep breath. And give thanks for the gift of life. Or pick up an apple. Take a good bite of that apple. And give thanks for the nourishment that comes from the things that are grown in the ground. Or as my friend did, plant some seeds. Tend to the soil. Watch for new life to spring forth. These are the ways that God works and has worked from the beginning. And we're invited to take part in that work quite literally revealing pockets of Eden, reviving our covenant relationship with God and sending a clear message of hope into the world. So we can start by doing one thing, just one thing this week that honors God's creative and creating work. Start a compost pile. Plant a tree. Adopt a pet. Call a sick friend or simply Sit outside and breathe. Breathe. Breathe in the glory of God's creation, including what it means to be human. Truly, beloved, it is in recognizing ourselves as created that we can fully experience the goodness of God. Amen? Amen.